Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Warning, this podcast discusses difficult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. You know, I'm good, but I missed you. I missed you too. I'm so excited to be back. That's right. Season two. Season two. Boopity-boo. Yes, we do. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Hi. Did you miss us? You it did. It was like two weeks, right? I think it was closer to a month. No way. Did we really? I think we took three weeks. Oh, good for us. You know, we haven't... I have to be honest, as I am honestly honest all the time. <laughs> um, that Doesn't I, feel like You it. know, we pushed our butts to the grind starting last October in 2018 and we put out 50 episodes for season one. And it's wild because now here we are two years later. (laughs) The world is totally different. Like nothing anyone could have imagined. Even someone like me with like the most horror movie inspired mind. That's true. And so we're going to do something that I think when we conceived rom-crime, we never imagined. That's right. But it's going to be wonderful and Dark, but also I think educational, interesting. I already feel like I've learned so much. I know. I was just saying to my husband that I really loved the research I did for yeah. this one. And for Vanya, myself, as a very aggressive, positive person, like I feel like I'm like a coach aggressive where I'm like, oh, we're going to talk, yeah, talk, get your shit it's together. By, it's a game about inches. We're going <laughs> to, yes, it is. Yes. Good show. We're going to get our shit together and be okay. And I have to like pep talk myself every single day because mm-hmm. of all of the things we all deal with. But yes, but we're all in it together. So at least nobody's you know, all yeah. alone experiencing the bullshit that is 2020. It's true. It's true. But that's why we're here. We're going to talk about all kinds of things, but also how we're all dealing. But I guess I should just, yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Vanya. And I'm Avrin. And this is Rom Crime Vigilante. <laughs> that makes me so I was happy. very excited to do that. I hope it comes <gasps> off. I know it will. Vigilante. Vigilante. So this idea, just to kind of give you guys an idea of where this came from. Yeah. So as you guys know, Avern here is the big true crime buff horror movie lover. Basically, I terrify my husband. Yeah. He's like, you will murder me one day, won't you? And I was like, well, if I do, I'll get away with it. Um, but no, I have no intention of murdering him. But we were watching a movie titled Vigilante. Oh, that's right. And I don't know if any of you have seen it. I'm sure some of you have. Where'd you watch it? I... I don't even know. Prime. Okay. just I think yeah. it was Prime. Um, it stars Olivia Wilde. Oh, I like her. I love her. She's great. I also just watched that movie Richard Jewell last night about the um, Centennial Park bombing. So the Atlanta Olympics oh. in 96 and the security guard who actually found the bomb, who was first the hero and then became the focus of the investigation. Yikes. She's in that and she's great. She plays like a really horrible, aggressively 
I'll say Heather Locklear from Melrose Place. Ooh. A journalist. So she's willing to do what she's got to do to get the so story. business on the top, party mm-hmm. on the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she's wonderful. And anyway, so she stars in this movie um, called Vigilante. Okay. Which is kind of a slow burn, except for except for the vigilante part. Like, it starts with mm. a horrible wife beater oh. who has just beaten his wife like they show it it's hard to watch the movie is actually really hard to watch in general because it is a lot of it is about abuse um but not just domestic also like parental it really doesn't discriminate which is partly why i loved it but then the horrible man walks into a room and there's like olivia wilde looking badass like full spy movie awesome with like a great wig all black gloves and she Scares this man within an inch of his life. I believe she hurts him. Doesn't kill him, but hurts him so bad. And then gets him to like sign over all of his money, except for $400. He can keep the $400 to get the fuck out of town. Great. Sign all the money and the house and everything over to his wife. And then she looks at him as she's like escorting him out of his own home. And she's like, if you ever come back and hurt her again, I will kill you. And just so you know, I really want you to come back. Ooh. And like the look on she's like, I would love nothing more than to kill you. But Ooh. that's not what I've been hired to do. I've been hired to get you the fuck out of this woman's life because you're a horrible, horrible Yum. person. And anyway, it's got a really deep story. Like you find out, you know, her story and how she became this vigilante. And I, my husband and I were watching it together. And he was like, you know what would be interesting? Because you do wrong crime and so many of the crimes you cover, you know, they usually are terrible murders that it kind of true. are born from maybe domestic violence situations or just situations with, you know, we've covered stalkers that yes. it's like, God damn it, please just do something, I you know? know. Um, and he mentioned to me that it might be interesting to do vigilante stories. Yeah. And so then I started talking to Vanya and we had already talked about doing a second season. And yes. I, and so we were like, what if we, let's do some research and see if that's viable. Is there a whole season's worth and of, of course vigilantes? Oh, you guys don't even know. But I will say for myself, as a person who, as you all know, in last season, I was always like, I'm scared of this story. Mm." No, when it comes to vigilantism, especially when it's like the weak being preyed on and the weak finding strength and then, you know, I'm into it. Oh, God, you guys. Like, I think you're going to see a whole different side of me this Mm -hmm. season. And I think like certain subject matter that I think everyone has a hard time talking about in the context Mm -hmm. of the seemingly powerless being like, oh no, you were wrong. Um, because that was their only option. Let's yeah. make that very clear. That's a big part of of what we're going to be talking yeah. about here is when when no one will come and help you. That's right. Um, but yeah, I was like, I can't wait to tell about the mutilation of this, you know, or of know. someone or this or that. So, And we're not bad people. We're just, it's good to see the good guy win yeah. once in a while. In my mind, listen, it's subjective, but. Yeah, and of course, we're also open to people's opinions. So if anybody has deep thoughts on this, you know, you can always DM us on Instagram, send us an email at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com because this is kind of meant to be a dialogue. Yep. And it doesn't just have to be between me and Vanya. So welcome to season two, Rom Crime Vigilante. The word vigilante is complex. It can seem black and white. But today, we aim to take you into the gray. That's right. And let's do it. Okay. We wanted to give you some context here. Yes. So the story that we are going to talk about today took place in India. That's right. And um, before mm. we even get into the story, Vanya wants to kind of fill us all in on some of the kind of the cultural exactly. and existence of, of life in India, depending on where you fall into there. And when did this caste system, sorry, caste system is what we're going to, what I'm going to about to just get down and dirty with but what year did this happen 2004 okay so this story happens in 2004 but the caste system started in 1500 bc jesus right so we're in india so the caste system is an aspect that was a part of the hindu religion um it divides people into four different sects based on their occupational expertise and they talk about like karma being work and dharma being duty, which I'm not quite sure what that means, but it like six different things I read said that. Great. But when the British came, uh, they made it even stricter. So they the British came and took over. So in the 1500s, this man, uh, a king, Manu, was like, y'all, 
this is what it is, guys. Here's what the caste system is. It comes, it's, it's part of a body part. So each caste comes from a body part of the Brahma's mind. And the Brahma is one of the gods. Um, the Brahmins. So everybody, every person is put into this caste system and you are only that by essentially now being born into it. Okay. Yeah. So the Brahmins are the head part. That's the part of the body. They are the teachers and the priests of society. That's the top. That's like the highest echelon. So I guess you would say that the caste system in a completely different way, because it seems like it's a little bit more involved than just like monies. Um, oh, yeah, but it's, it's different. Like a, it's like a class system. It is a class system. But yes. it goes deeper than just the wealth that you possess. Exactly. So then, so we have the Brahmins, the head, the teachers, the priests. We have the Kshatriyas. These are the shoulders. These are the warriors, those who can fight. So military. So if you are born into this caste, that is what you do. We have the Vaisha. This is the stomach. This is the merchants and the people who do business, like the business people. We have the Shudras, which are the legs. These are the manual labor. So those are the four parts of the caste system. Now, when the British came in, they made everything stricter. It made it a means of controlling India a little bit okay. more. And that was in the 1800s. As they're trying to like foist Christianity onto the... No, they're not trying to foist. They just want to control the people. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not trying to... to they're just like, we own this now? Yeah, we own you. Yeah, exactly. So and it was even, So now one part about all of that, all of those four parts I told you, we've got... The teachers, the warriors, the business people, the manual labor people, it leaves one bit of the culture, especially back in the day, left. We need someone who will touch our shit and get rid of all the unpure things and like, you know, get rid of the dead bodies and things like that because they were very like um, religious culture in Hindu, like the upper couple, I want to say the upper two or three um, right, the merchants cast, to the priests. They didn't eat meat or anything like that. So they didn't want to deal with any dead animals or things like that. So later on, and this is added in the 20th century. Okay. Added wow. in the 20th century, they call them the Dalits or the BC, backward castes, outcasts, or the Harjin. And so this is something that is also known as the untouchables because they engage in professions that are impure. Like I said, handling human waste, death. Now, one interesting thing about the caste system, you cannot move up. Apparently, back before the British came, when the Maharajas were here, you could move up, but you'd have to have like permission from the king. Okay. But they don't do that anymore. There's no, like right now, if you were born in as a Dalit, you're a Dalit. That's it. Yeah. You can go to school as a Dalit, but you cannot change your caste. It is very unlikely that they would probably change jobs and stay in that um, like sort of world. Um, oh, other jobs that they would have is working in a crematorium, crematorium mm-hmm. hangman, which is something that happens a lot, I guess, because traditional Hindus wouldn't do that. And kids didn't think it was possible. So they, even still today, especially boys, they don't further their education at all. They don't have any hope. So they're, I mean, right, some like people do. There's no way to leave, yeah. really. So unless you... Leave India? Especially in the smaller villages. Like when you get into the bigger cities in the urban areas, there's definitely class class um, intermingling mm-hmm. that's happening. But in the more like rural, yeah. smaller villages. The, and and they, will, they will get like certain, you know, government jobs, but there's not a lot of opportunity. Apparently, side note, there is a thing called reservations, which is similar to affirmative action, where because they've been oppressed for so long they are there are certain like places in universities for them and certain places in parliament i I read something that's like 37 percent of parliament positions and i don't know what all that encompasses are reserved like 134 people Yeah. yeah but it's like you know it's not a perfect thing but it's also they it's hard to get out of that class because nobody even wants to touch them nobody they're called untouchable because Literally, there are different wells in, you know, for people to get their wa- drinking water from. And the untouchables, the, Dal- the Dalits. The Dalits, yeah. Dalits can't use the same well as other people. Oh, no. And also, like a person from a, a Brahmin would never go and go to a person's home and drink the water from their tap. Like, wow. it's okay. very, very um, racist, I guess, or 
castes. It's <laughs> segre segregation yeah. for sure. So girls in those villages would only be housewives too and serve their husbands who would barely be able to get a job. So it's like such crazy poverty. However, poverty is not caste specific, okay. which is interesting. So the Dalits, the untouchables, the backward castes, the Harjeen, same, all pe same people. They keep trying to change the name to make it sound a little bit better. They're, they're a captive lot of people. Like they can always be oppressed and they're meant to serve society at large. They make up 16% of the population, which is 200 million people in India. And though the caste system was abolished in 1950, the British left in 1947, so that that's right around when the caste system was abolished, completely abolished. Right. However, still today, it, it still exists socially. Right. And the people of India, like, perpetuate it. They're, t you know... I would say, they say one in five millennials today do not care about the caste system. But only one in five. That's right. And also think about it. Like, I don't know if you watched um, Indian matchmaking. I didn't. I, I watched. I love all that stuff. God, forget it, me. I'm just like, I'm into it. But like, I kept thinking, if any of you guys watched it, like, I'm like, this seems kind of fucked up. And you know, that lady was only working for the Brahmins or whatever, right. you know, it was, it seemed really like yucky. Okay. Because it was all arranged marriages. Right. If you haven't seen it, very sorry. Um, so here we go. Okay, so especially in rural areas where sanitation is not prevalent in rural areas in India as much, obviously, as the big cities. And that's where they need the people to take the poo-poo right. and put it somewhere else. And so they're still sort of working in those areas if they can. This is interesting. Often, Christians were thought of as untouchable as well. This is because the missionaries did not discriminate who they like who they missioned to. yeah exactly i was like trying to think of the verb who they, who they, who they witnessed to who they, who they tried to save yeah but they they created their own schools um and they invited anybody who wanted to come and one thing that i think a lot of people especially like i want to say two or three generations back people in the dalits and uh, know that like education is sort of power like knowledge yeah is, knowledge is power it and is. that is very true and they you know, regardless if maybe the people didn't want to necessarily be converted from Hinduism to Christianity, whatever. The cool thing that they were learning was that these missionaries were telling them is that we're, they're all equal in the eyes of God, which is they never, ever felt that way. Right. They were called, they were told they were, yeah. basically if we're talking were. about body parts, so if yeah. the Brahmins are the head and we've got the shoulders and the abs, it's like this is the bottom of your foot. Yeah, the bottom of your is foot. Is probably how it's kind of, if you put it on a body part. Yeah. And we all need hope. And I think everyone out there can agree with me where it's we like, it doesn't hope. matter where you're born or who, who you are, you can, you have the ability to affect change and be a wonderful person. It's just so crazy that you are born immediately into so many... Obstacles. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so I have a couple more. I'm so sorry yeah, this no, is so long. Going. but This is important, I think, for the story, for it is. sure. Okay, so, right. So I told you that until the 1950s, Indians from upper caste would not go to... Oh, this is actually... No, I didn't tell you this. But in until the 50s, Indians from the upper caste would not go to restaurants and they were because they were worried that someone from a lower caste might touch their food. Yeah. Good God. I know. Uptight. It's like COVID. I know. It's like, like, we can't go to me. restaurants. Don't touch my food. I'm also like, touch it, but wash your hands. I'm kidding. Like, somebody's touching my food, Everyone, right? Everyone, every food that you don't make yourself is, and honestly, if you go to the store to buy the food, someone else has touched it. I know, it. exactly. And that's okay. I'm like, burn it. I'm fine <laughs> with it. Okay, so facts still today. In 30% of villages, public health care workers refuse to enter Dalit's homes. Untouchables and Dalits, same thing, are not allowed to enter police stations. Untouchable children are, are not allowed to sit with other kids from other castes at school. This is today? Today. Or actually, this was 2018, but okay, well, two years ago. Close enough. Um, when Dalits disobey authority, the consequences are much, much more. Every week, more Dalits are murdered and their homes are burned than, you know, Anyone other else? castes. Yeah. In 1997, a Dalit man, K.R. Narayanyan, was elected president. So this is very interesting. So this shows that the Indians are becoming more progressive. This is 1997. So it doesn't mean that Dalits are, don't, certain Dalits don't have money or don't have necessarily education anymore, but it means that even regardless of if you do 
well. Yeah, if you do well, you still will always have the on your sort of. So he's the president? He, he was the president, yeah, in 1997. But and it, people are still like, you're a Dalit, though. Yeah, but it was good for it was good for people. But I was looking at interviews of in 2017, 2018, where they're like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch somebody who was a Dalit. Wow. So I think you have that, like, it's a mix of people who are all, it, it's sad because it's something that's completely man-made and right. it's hurting people. It's really hurting me, people. Interesting also fact, there are 25,000 subcasts that have been, that have different designated occupations. So there's subcasts and then like another couple subcasts under that. And so yeah, cast determines your jobs and your social life. The easiest way to know someone's cast is by looking at their last name. So oftentimes it will like say what they are or whatever. Oh, I thought this was interesting. So I was just thinking about this. If Romeo and Juliet were casts. Yeah, they it would not be Capulets and Montagues. It would be kids in different casts, but it would be like no fucking joke. Okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. Intercast marriages are still frowned upon. Uh, in some cases, couples have like died by suicide because they're, yeah. Wow. They've geez. loved out of their caste. And though, and though the caste system has become less prevalent in modern in India, obviously, the discrimination still exists. As long as the system stays in place, inequality in India will continue. And I just wrote, talk about a way to control people for My gosh word, darn like, sake. Back down to like your last name determines your job. Yep. That's wild. Though it has been 3,000 years since the caste system was established, Hinduism hierarchy in India, and 68 years since it was outlawed, Dalits or untouchables, women specifically, face an increasing amount of sexual violence on a daily basis. The discrimination of Dalit women is awful because they're not just Dalits, but they're also women. And apparently between 2007 and 2017, crimes against Dalits increased by 66% while rape against the women doubled. And that's from the National Crime Bureau. And what years were those, 2007 to 2017? So just 10 years. So it's like recent. And apparently six Dalit women are raped every single day. Amnesty International said, crimes against Dalits are often not properly registered or investigated, conviction rates are low, and there is a large backlog of cases. Police are also known to collude with perpetrators from dominant castes in covering up crimes by against not registering Dalits. or investigating offenses against Dalits. And that's going to bring us directly into our story. Yeah. <laughs> because that is the entire issue. Well, not the entire issue, but a big part of the issue. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I did not know. Yeah. I feel like I did so. Was there more? It's just basically saying there's activism ha happening and people are trying to get rid of this. And a lot, like I said, a lot of millennials and younger people are like, right. what who the are, hell, y'all? are just like naturally more progressive. They have more information, more yes. access to information. They're like, you guys, this is fucked. Exactly. And they will change the world. And we thank so. you for that. Thank you, hey, Anya. That thank was you. great. No, that I'm was so, really good. Thank and you so much because I was like on fire about this information. Yeah. So. And it's, I had no idea, I think... One, how long it's been going on. I did not know it had been abolished, technically, like yes. in the eyes of the law, but not in the eyes of the souls of, yes. the, of the people who live who live it. Even people who live here in the U.S. who are – some people escape and they're like – who are who are from the lower class and they're like, this is amazing. But if they go back and hang out with like Indian people who care about that, they will uh, be prejudiced against them. Wow. Today. That's wild. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well – that was all really important information for you guys to understand the story that I'm now going to tell you, which is our very first vigilante story. And I just want to say this. I know that you should never apologize. I did my best. I listened online on how to pronounce certain things, but I promise I'm going to get it wrong or accidentally change how I'm saying it halfway through. But I'm not going to beat myself up. Don't, because you know why, Avrin? This is... It's not a safe space. It's a brave space. It's a brave space. Yeah. So if it's wrong, <laughs> I'm open to hearing that it's wrong, but just know that I did try and I will continue to try as we explore oh, yeah. parts of the world where certain things don't, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly how to. Yes. We're going to do it because our hearts are uh, going for the right direction. I and think. also the yeah. woman who was at the forefront of the story that we're going to tell you today is, in my opinion, one of the most amazing, powerful, brave, it's crazy, insanely spectacular examples of like just being strong 
as a human, not even as a woman. Damn, she's awesome. So today I'm going to tell you guys and you, Vanya, the story of Usha Narayan. And I just wanted to say that I basically got excerpts out of a book called Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristof and Cheryl Wooden. And I kind of put those together to put together the story. So these, these, the story is theirs. I mean, it's, it's Usha's, but the version I'm telling you, I got from Half the Sky. Cool. Okay. Cool. So Kasturba Nagar is a slum outside the central Indian city of Nagpur. The inhabitants are Dalits, untouchables, and live in shacks, signaling they are poor through their clothing and complexity. The ditches ooze with sewage and stink. Usha Narayan is a 28-year-old. I did, however, see several different ages in my research. So she was either 25, 27, 28 when this all <laughs> took place. Um, she is a 28-year-old self-assured woman whose parents had managed to save every rupee to educate her and her, their other four children despite living in Kasturba Nagar, and this is unheard of. They put all five of their children through college. Incredible. So Usha graduated with a degree in hotel management and was preparing to take a job when she came home on a holiday, school break, for a visit. And she ran into Aku uh, Yadav. Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Aku Yadav? So, this piece of shit. Yeah. Aku Yadav was a higher caste man who had turned an apprenticeship as a small-time criminal into a role as the king of the slum. He ruled a gang and robbed, murdered, and tortured the people of Kasturbanagar. The Indian authorities would have prevented a gangster from preying so ruthlessly on a middle-class neighborhood, but in slums with Dalits, the authorities rarely intervene except to accept cash bribes from the criminals. So, assholes like Aku sometimes emerge in some places as absolute and undisputed rulers. For 15 years, Aku terrorized Kasturba Nagar while building a small business empire. One of his specialties was the threat of rape to terrorize anyone who might stand up against him. Murder, you see, left inconvenient piles of bodies. While rape is so stigmatizing in that culture that the victims could usually be counted on not to say anything because... The shame. So according to neighbors in the slum, Aku once raped... Oh, and this is where things are going to get graphic. So listener discretion. According to neighbors in the slum, Aku once raped a woman right after her wedding. Another time, he stripped a man naked and burned him with cigarettes, then forced him to dance in front of his 16-year-old daughter. They say he took one woman, her name was Ashobagat, and tortured her in front of her daughter and several neighbors by cutting off her breasts. And then he sliced her into pieces on the street. I will kill him. I know. One of the neighbors, Avinash Tiwari, was horrified by Asho's killing and planned to go to the police. And when Aku discovered that he was going to go to the police about a murder he witnessed, he uh, murdered him as well. Aku continued his assaults. He and his men gang raped a woman named Kalma just 10 days after she had given birth. And she was so mortified that she doused herself with kerosene and burned herself mm. to death. The gang pulled another woman out of her house when she was seven months pregnant, stripped her naked, and raped her on the very public road. <sighs> I mean, it's in I just get angry. I'm very yeah. angry. Yes, you should be. Most Dalits had no choice. They couldn't afford to move. They adjusted by pulling their daughters out of school and keeping them locked up at home. Vegetable vendors stopped coming to the slum, so women had to trek to distant markets to buy food, and the police did interfere because they're very class conscious. So one woman went to the police to report that she had been gang raped by Aku and his gang, and the police there responded by gang raping her. <sighs> Makes me, like, I feel my blood pressure has and gone like through the roof. And it's like 2000s, right? Like, or between... This, I mean, 15 years, yeah. so it would have been like basically 1989 to 2004 is when he was terrorizing Kasturba Nagar. So, Usha's family, the Narayans, was the only family that Aku didn't torment because he was wary that their education, as I mentioned, all five children went to college, might give them power to complain effectively because knowledge is power. One day, Aku raped a 13-year-old girl and was feeling cocky, so he and his men went to the next-door neighbor of the Narayans, that's Usha's family, um, the neighbor was Ratna Dungiri to demand money. Then they smashed her furniture and threatened to kill her family. When Usha arrived, she told Ratna to go to the police, but Ratna wouldn't go. So Usha went, and she filed a complaint. The police then informed Aku of Usha's actions, and he was enraged. So now, all-out war by Aku Yadav and his gang of 
ass wipes, um, was declared on Usha. So Aku and 40 of his men showed up at Usha's house and surrounded it. Aku carried a bottle of acid and shouted through the door for Usha to back down. You withdraw the complaint and I won't harm you, he said. Usha barricaded the door and shouted back that she would never give in. Then she frantically phoned the police. They said they would come, but they never did. In the meantime, Aku and 40 other dudes are banging on her door, and he is saying, I'll throw acid on your face, and you won't be in a position to file any more complaints. If we ever meet you, you don't know what we'll do to you. Gang rape is nothing. You can't imagine what we'll do to you. Undeterred, Usha is shouting insults right back, and Aku replied with vivid descriptions of how he would rape her, burn her with acid, and slaughter her. He and his men continue to try to batter the door down. So Usha, because she's fucking awesome and smart, turns on the cylinder of gas that the family used for cooking, picked up a matchbook and said, you break into the house, I will light the match and I'll blow all of us up. Back off or I'll blow you up. And they could smell the gas coming mm-hmm. from the house. So they stepped back. Good. Fuck those guys. Meanwhile, word of a confrontation taking place outside of Usha's home rushed around the neighborhood. The Dalits were deeply proud of Usha and all she had accomplished. Her schooling and success and the thought that a coup could destroy her as well was agonizing. They gathered at a distance, not knowing what to do. But when they saw Usha fighting back against Aku and his gang, finally getting them to retreat, they found courage. Soon, there were a hundred angry Dalits on the street, and they began picking up sticks and stones. They realized if Aku could do this to Usha, there was no hope. Stones began to fly toward Aku's men, who saw the crowd's ugly mood, and fled. The mood in the slum became giddy. For the first time, the people had won a confrontation. The Dalits marched through the slum celebrating all the way to Aku's house where they burned it to the ground. Yeah. So Aku's like, oh, man. Oh, shit. I'm in trouble. So he goes to police who uh, who arrest him for his own protection. Well, wait, one more. You might have said this, and I'm so sorry if I I missed it, but... Even when other, because like most people, especially in Indian culture, when they were raped, would not go to the police because it was just like, it's such it was, a shameful thing. Shame. But people would go because it was, he was not just, he was like really like, um, uh, um, like the guy we just, um, Michelle McNamara guy. Like he oh, tortured, yeah. like he would like tie the up Golden State men. Killer, except for you. everyone knew his name and his face. That's exactly true. He but he was like similar, yeah. similar in that he would not just, just rape women. He would like tie up a, person next you know the man next and watch and so it was like he was terrorizing every single person or threatening or or sexually like humiliate the man by stripping him naked burning him with cigarettes and making him dance in front of his daughter but they would also then they they would go to the police but yet he would the police would just inform him right you may have said this i'm so sorry they did they basically if a uh, complaint was filed with the police which was not often because of the culture the culture and the fact that nothing ever seemed to happen that what the police would do is they would just turn around and they tell did, him, you yeah. know who said this, said you did this, and then he would retaliate against the person who had exactly. filed a complaint. Exactly. Okay. So sorry. after they burned his house down, Aku went running to the police because they take care of him, <sighs> and they arrest him for his own protection. So the plan was uh, for police to keep him in custody until the mood in Kastura Nagar had cooled down, and then they'll let him go. So a bail hearing for Aku was scheduled and rumors spread that the police's plan was to just release him as part of some corrupt bargain that he kind of had going on consistently with the police. Right, because he was paying them and giving them yeah, alcohol. Get, and... Buying them drinks, taking them out, taking them on the yeah, town. Fun. Here, giving them cash. The gang like, yeah, you can be one of us. Um, so the bail hearing was to take place like miles, like I want to say hundreds of miles away in the center of Nagpur. So... Hundreds of women marched to Nagpur from Kasturba Nagar and filed into the high-ceilinged Grant courtroom with its marble floor and faded British grandeur. The Dalit women were uneasy in their sandals and faded saris, but they took seats near the front. Aku struts into uh, to the courtroom, confident and unrepentant. He's sensing that the women are feeling disoriented in this like grand setting, like they feel so self-conscious that they, you know, they're they're done for just because they're in a fancy room. This man sucks so hard. Yeah. Uh, spotting one woman that he raped, he mocked her, called her a prostitute, and told her that he would rape her again. She then stood up, rushed forward, and hit him on the head with her slipper and said, this time either I will kill you or you will kill me. She shrieked, and with that cry, this time I will kill you or you will kill me, the damn 
burst, apparently by prearrangement. Every single one of the hundreds of women from Kasturba-Nagar stood up, pressed forward, and surrounded Aku, screaming and shouting. Several of them pulled chili powder from under their clothes and threw it in his face yeah. and the faces of the two police officers who were guarding him. The police who were charged with protecting him, blinded, terrified, and overwhelmed, fled the scene. Forgive me, he shouted in terror. Forgive me, I won't do it again. The women then passed their knives around and kept stabbing him. Each woman had agreed to stab him at least once. This is 200 women. Then in a macabre retaliation for his having cut off Asho's breasts... The woman hacked off Aku's penis. Good. By the end, his body was described as mincemeat. Yuck. But also, he deserved it. The women marched triumphantly back to Kasturbanagar to tell their husbands and fathers that they had destroyed the monster. The slum erupted in celebration. They dug in their savings to buy lamb and sweets, and they handed out fruit to their friends. They put on music and danced in the streets. It was clear to police that the attack on Aku Yarav was planned. It was not like out of nowhere this frenzy just took hold of all these women sure. that had marched together there. And but Usha, also, how can you even trust the police? But well, also, you can't. They all but had, to them, they were like, this was, was like vegetable this knives, was, right? Yeah. They, they had, yeah. a, they, but it was all like underneath their, their clothing. Yeah. I love the chili powder to like blind and disorient yes. him and the police. Um, and so to police, it was very obvious that Usha was the, the leader because mm-hmm. he had basically... They're, you know, they were warring at that point. So Usha could conveniently prove that she was not there that day, but police arrested her anyway. However, the killing, the very public killing of Akuyarov kind of focused public attention on the plight of Kasturbanagar and the terror that he had basically rained down on this community for over 15 years. 2004, people. Yeah, this is 2004. Um, and there was public outcry. A retired high court judge actually in India, publicly sided with the women saying, in the circumstances they underwent, they were left with no alternative but to finish Aku. The women repeatedly pleaded with police for security. The police failed to protect them. Then the hundreds of women in the slum decided among themselves that if they all claimed responsibility, no one person could be found culpable for his murder. They reasoned that if several hundred women each had stabbed Akuyarav once, <laughs> then no single stab would have been the fatal one or they couldn't prove which one it was. There you go. Across Kasturbanagar, there was a single refrain from all of the women. We all killed him. Arrest us all. The police, incredibly frustrated by this turn of events, had to release Usha after two weeks, but on one condition. She was not allowed to leave Nagpur. Oh, so that's upsetting. Her career as a hotel manager is pretty much over. She is, oh, well, maybe not now, but and at this time. Um, and she is positive that members of Aku's gang will probably try to seek revenge by raping her or throwing acid on her face. But she says that she doesn't care about that. She's not worried about them. Her new life now is as a community organizer. She uses her education and management skills to bring the Dalits together to make pickles, clothing, and other products to sell in markets. She wants to teach Dalits to start businesses to raise their income so that they can afford more education. So even though Usha is struggling to make ends meet, she is the galvanic, this is a quote from obviously the book, new boss of Kasturbanagar, yes. the heroine of the slum. Oof. And in 2014, she was officially and formally acquitted, along with, I believe, six other women who were also charged. That's when the judge said the women had no choice. There's not sufficient evidence. It took the them I, 10 years? 10 years. This was in the courts. And it um, <clears throat> definitely like had a financial impact on Usha and other people that were you know, accused. But ultimately, they were all acquitted. The judge cited that the eyewitnesses were police officers who couldn't see because they were blinded by chili powder and ran away. Right. Or I think it was his brother and his nephew or another eyewitness. Um, his autopsy showed that he had a certain level of alcohol in his system, which proved that police were giving him cocktails while he was in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately was like, no. I, there is, you guys have not presented me with a case where I can charge anyone with this. So all charges were dropped on every um, person in Kasturbanagar that had been accused and charged with it. And um, now Usha is still in Kasturbanagar and she is a community organizer who has, um, we'll give you some more information after we kind of break down the craziness of this, but she's still there completely improving her community and attempting to change what it means to be a Dalit. That's amazing. I mean, the caste system needs to just be done with, I think, obviously. It's right. obviously going to take some time. 
I guess we have a similar thing in this country where we've had, there were slaves. Right. And we still have extreme systemic, yeah. like it's woven into the fabric. Right. They're both horrible. Exactly. Um, But to me, when we started looking into vigilante stories, Vaughn, yes. this one stood out because the article that I first read just says <laughs> 200 women. Yeah say, arrest us all. We all did it. And I was like, click. Mm-hmm. And then the story is just, I mean, this was public. This was in court yeah. on like day of his arraignment, so to speak. And just in front of a oh, courtroom yes. full there of people. Is, there are pictures, not that you want to do that, but you can actually find a picture of his disgusting mincemeat body on the floor of the... Yeah. And apparently there are still blood on the walls there. Wow. And part of me is like... Like, clean it up? Or, well, I mean, or it's there for a reason exactly. to remind. Stop raping. Future fucking Akuyarovs, yeah. what will happen to you? That's right. Also, it just, you know what to me is so sad is I, I think we're going to dive into this this season, but like, why are women just like shit on so hard? Like in every, in every class system, whatever, when things are bad, it's like, it's, I know it's power, right? Because women are not as powerful or I think I think it comes down to a, a couple of things. I think you're right. So technically, and this is not true across the board, but I guess you could say that men possess more physical strength than women. Right. percentage-wise. Also, women through the course of time have learned to deal with pain and to push through and mm-hmm. just accept like yeah. many things that women go through every month, childbirth, you know, like pain is a part of life and we're just somehow better at like grinning and bearing things and so not i'm not that i'm blaming women because there's there's no blame there but i think that maybe it's done because they they feel like women will just be tough and keep moving forward no matter how they brutalize them right but that they won't fight back and that's not going to raping people is like a means of power it's all about power it's never about sex especially in that situation and in his case it was clearly about terror it wasn't even i mean power was he already had power he just wanted to continue to terrorize that's what i don't understand because he grew he actually grew up in and around that neighborhood and yarov is actually it's one of those sub casts that where he like his family Milked cows. Right, but he was still of a higher caste than the dollars. He was, he was. But I'm saying like he came from, I, I read some snippet where they're like, they didn't understand why the, you know, the son of a milk may, man or right. whatever well, became like he, a criminal. Well, they say he turned an apprenticeship. So I don't know who, I didn't find any of that because I wasn't too curious about him. Yeah. Honestly, I was curious about the story. I'm sure something really horrible happened to him, but it's like. I was doing some other research because I was I'm kind of obsessed with like why the gang rapes, you know? And yeah. I'm I'm about to tell you stuff and I don't actually have any answers, but even in I want to say 2012 there was like a gang rape on a on bus. On a public bus. In New Delhi. Yeah, yeah a college student. And that's, that's actually right. when a lot of laws in India did start to that's change. That's true. This yeah. this took place. So that was 2012. This is 2004. That's 8 years earlier. And it would take 8 more years right. with a very public gang rape of a young woman for there to be again enough public outcry that India actually has been trying to change a lot of their laws. Yeah. Um, one of those things, which people argue back and forth, whether or not they work, if they ha- they have a whole separate course court system called fast track courts and they designated, I think at least six of them. Cause you know, India has got like one of the largest, it's like the second largest population mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was, either like four or six of these fast track courts were specifically for sexual assault cases only to try to make sure that those things wouldn't get backlogged, but they don't really work. Or, right, 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 you know. right. But I did think it was so fascinating because I'm like, I, I found an article of like the five men that had, you know, raped this woman. And one of them was like a, you know, a father of four and, a, you know, in a, but they were all like in a lower class situation. One was like 16 year old little guy who right. immediately cried when he, it was almost like he got caught stealing, but they had talked about that they were a lot of more out of work. They were bored. I mean, I don't know, but they were bored. They were watching a lot of porn. One of the guys couldn't even write it. He didn't even know how to write. He didn't know how to write his own name. I feel like there's no empathy for women in that kind of situation. Like, because that's my serious like question. Like why knowing that, like, I mean, the biggest fear for females is to be raped. And it's like, it really messes you up. Like, 
Well, Why would you do that? Having a child, say you say you're the dad who has like a daughter. How could you rape another person like that? I don't get it, and I really I want to understand. I right. really want to understand. Well, and it's interesting too because I feel like men use being husbands and sure. fathers of daughters as a shield constantly for bad behavior towards women. Sure. Um, but I do. But I, I do. I, think, do f- I think it goes so deep, Vanya, that I wouldn't even know where to start in terms of like the fabric of. I just a, the, the, a patriarchal society, which maybe that's it, is pretty much all modern societies are are patriarchal. It's so bizarre to me, and clearly it's working great. Um, well, obviously, but no, but we I mean, need to take care of everyone—boys, girls, trans, everyone. We have to be—we have to protect our community. We have to protect humans. Yes, humankind all deserve equal yeah. treatment. It just. But there yeah. is something that I think it goes back so far that even people like that, that you were like, were they bored? They clearly lack empathy. But it's, I think it goes so deep that they probably don't even know. Oh, no, they don't even think, that was the other thing. They The rape wasn't even in the thing. They were. It was more like mischief. Like right. they didn't think they were causing uh, too much harm. They right. knew it was kind of wrong. They were wrong. just creating mischief on a I mean, bus. that's I mean, absolutely fucked up. That's because it could. It can, I don't want to say it could ruin your life because I know a lot of people have been raped and like, lead amazing lives but like right, it can really if, fuck you up right, i mean and i don't think anyone would ever say like no it's is it going to ruin your life probably no most maybe. people maybe it will but most people will manage to overcome persevere and move forward but it is but will the it, biggest violation but will it forever change your life yeah. and how you see the world right with 100 certainty well and think about it the worst thing that can happen to a human is the feeling of actual utter powerlessness right and, and that, that is, is what it is. So anyways, there's questions there. We're leaving questions there, but it's just things that I have. My mind keeps ruminating about. I don't have the answer. I want to understand. Right. And because I, don't, I do feel like we have to, we have to heal these men who are uneducated, who think that's a, just mischief, mischief, yeah, mischief. No, you're right. It comes. How do we do that? How do we, we have, we can't cancel that, right? Yeah. Can't, how, like, how do we have the conversation that says, okay, or rather how, how than, do we rehabilitate, right? Yeah, yeah like rather than just say like you're, you suck, you you. I mean, and they do. I'm I do. Not saying, I mean, but I want saying, them to like, go to how, jail. But for how sure. do you then take that horrible person with that horrible mindset, and how do you learn to have a conversation with them in order to help them understand yeah. basic empathy if they do possess it? Yes, there are people out there that you can't have. They don't have empathy. They like just don't have it. Right. Sure. But right. for people that like through oppression, right, joblessness, um, lack of education, thinking poverty, poverty yeah. and not and not and just knowing what they know in terms of like what their society has told them is to be true is that at the very least, even if it, you're at the bottom uh, as a man, you're at better than you a can, woman. Yes. Or you're more powerful than she is. And so it's like, how do you erase? I know that. I knowledge? think it's a, for me. My one thought is education. Mm-hmm. Education is key. And yeah. I think that is, you know, one of the things that I found to be the most interesting. So Aku terrorized this entire village for decades. Let's Crazy. be real. But up until she filed a police complaint, Usha filed that police complaint on behalf of her neighbor. He never bothered her family because he was afraid of them right. because they were educated. And so it was only when she actively went yeah. and said, no, I'm doing he this. He was preying on the weak. That he was like, oh, I'll show you. And then it immediately basically resulted in his death. It's, yeah. And, and I just like, his, it just no prayed. offense, but I'm going to say his much deserved. It's true. Public murder. I just really hope no one gets raped ever again. I know. Hey, Vanya. Did you know that the Thompson Reuter Foundation annual poll of the 10 most dangerous countries in the world for women in 2018 were as followed? Mm. Number one was India. Number two, Afghanistan. Number three, Syria. Number four, Somalia. Number five, Saudi Arabia. Number six, Pakistan. Number seven, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Number eight, Yemen. Number nine, Nigeria. And number 10, the United States of America. Oh, no. How did they uh, come up with that? So they focused on six key areas oh. to determine danger for women. Okay. And those were health care, discrimination, cultural traditions, sexual violence, mm. non-sexual violence, and human trafficking. Wow. Number 10 was the United States of America. Hey, Av, you know I love my man. Oh, yeah. I love your man, too. And I love my man. That's right. And I think there are so many wonderful men in the world. That's true. But I'm about to give you some some, uh, statistics that might make you feel not great about people with penises at this point. Statistics show 
that every 60 seconds, 1.3 women only age 18 and over in the U.S. are forcibly raped. That is 78 women raped each hour, 1,871 each day, or 683,000 each year. Not great information. That's astonishing. I know. Let's just love people and stop raping women. Let's... And that has to change. Or men or trans. That has stop. to change. It does. That's astonishing. And that's only people that are legally adults. I know. Very upsetting. But that's why we're here. We're doing our podcast. We're trying to learn more and, and trying to figure out how to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. God love you all. We'd love to just end with... A couple of things. Yes. So if you are inspired by Usha, which I don't know how you couldn't be. Right? She actually... Um, M. Night Shyamalan, the film director, you know, Sixth Sense Guy, started a foundation and she is one of the people that his foundation supports the work and effort that she does. So you can visit mnsfoundation.org. You can read all about the very many different people um, across the world that they support their endeavors to like lift up the people within their community. You could read the book Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff and Cheryl Wudin, or Wudun, sorry, who not only go into the um, Usha story, but several stories amazing and it's all about empowering women and less fortunate people to to empower them like what does it take right to take an oppressed person a, yeah. an oppressed um group of people and help them empower themselves that's what yeah. the book is about so it's several stories like this which while very gritty and mm-hmm. upsetting on both you know like it's awful the things the stories of what he did i take a little bit of joy in that he got his, yeah. but I mean, it's still like yucky words and pictures. Right, um, right, but right. it's it's all about how you can empower everyone, and that is done usually through education, education and love. And I love that that's her whole thing, and she just wants to teach all of them how to start their own businesses. Oh, I'm about like to look her up. And oh, give I her mean, at least five dollars because it's what I can I afford right did. now. But I was all did. I was I was all up in there, and so we will also put that yes, link in the information. If you guys have any vigilante stories that you would love us to cover, we've got a fun list of ones, but you know, we always like ideas and maybe, you know, a story that isn't widely known that we could do some research on and get into. And again, as we said in the beginning, the word vigilante is complex, especially today. You know, there are horrible things happening in our country right now in the name of vint, 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 vigilanteism. Vint, that's it. I just lost it. Mini vigilanteism. Stroke. Vigilanteism. However, we aim to explore stories that aren't so black and white, where there is the gray, right? Yeah, where there's a gray area. Yeah. We're really ultimately, at the end of the day, if matters weren't taken into their own hands, there was no possibility of survival. Yep. So Absolutely. we're talking about badass vigilantes that's right guys we love you so much please rate and review we really appreciate it tell a friend yes thank you so much thank season you. two we're back baby wrong crime vigilante, vigilante. Mm-hmm.